this morning, I want to talk about the ridiculousness of God's gift and his promises to you. I believe it's a prophetic word, so if you have your phone and if you have a friend that has had a, a word from God and they're struggling, I would encourage you to send them a message, encourage them, try to uh, invite them to join in this uh, live stream or share it, because I believe the word that God gave me last night is for you and for all those that will hear. Thursday morning, I woke up and it took me 10 minutes I had a lot of thoughts on my mind. In 10 minutes, I wrote out the sermon on Thursday. And then last night as I was preparing, I was uh, sitting on the couch getting ready for this morning and I was going over everything and I was reading a passage and all of a sudden, God just hit me. And I had such an amazing time of revelation. And as I was going through it, God was just opening things up for me as I was studying and so my sermon completely changed. I was going to talk about prayer today, and I'd like to continue on that topic. But today, I want to talk about how when God gives you a promise, it may sound ridiculous, but God is committed to it. What I'd like to do is I'd like to look at the life of Abraham and Sarah. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to spend a bit of time in Genesis, and we're going to start in Genesis chapter 21. I want to read a few verses out of Genesis 21 this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, if you could jump to that passage, and we're going to read about six or seven verses, and then we're going to spend a little bit of time looking in that chapter or in that passage and in the story of Abraham and Sarah. So I'm going to read this passage, Genesis 21. Then the Lord took note of Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. I'd like to just pray before I go any further with this, if you could... Bow your heads, close your eyes if you would like to. Let's, let's take a moment and let's focus and let's draw our attention and our sensitivity to what God is saying to us this morning. So Father, I just ask as we take time in our homes and in our families and in groups, Lord, that you would speak to us, Lord. I believe you have given a word for solid rock. And Lord, I ask at this moment that we would take time to... Put away some of the distractions and focus on you and your word and your thoughts this morning. Holy Spirit, would you come and quicken things alive in us? In your precious name, amen. Sarah and Abraham. This is an amazing, interesting story. I've heard it, I've read it, I've seen it many times. And so some of these things may be similar to you and you may have heard them yourselves but what I'd like to do is I want to draw to your attention some of the components of this story the backstory 
And what I'd like to do is I'd like you to take time with me in the next 15 to 20 minutes and take some time and let it go into your spirit and let your spirit become awakened. And maybe there's been some dreams. Maybe there's been some words. Maybe there have been some, some thoughts or some ideas that God has placed inside of you. And what I'd like to do in this next 20 minutes is for the Holy Spirit to cause those things to come alive in you and to waken you and to stir you up in your faith. Abraham is what we refer to in the Bible as the father of faith. We see in the New Testament that he is referred to as the father of faith. But he had some challenges and he had some, some situations that he had to walk through and get through. If we go back in the, in the Genesis to chapter 11, where Abraham is introduced, at in that point his name was Abram. His name Abram meant exalted father, and his wife was Sarah E. It was Sarah with an I and not Sarah with an H. And in verse 30 of chapter 11, right after we see the whole story of Noah and we see all the generations of Noah's children, we get to the generation where Abraham is, or Abram is. And in verse 30, this is the introduction to Abram's wife. First impressions. It, was, it says in verse 30 of chapter 11, Sarah was barren, and she had no child. What an introduction. What a way to enter into a scene when somebody says, something, oh, I'd like to introduce you to somebody, and the first impression is they're barren, they have no child. They aren't experiencing what everybody else is experiencing. They are not experiencing what the benefits or the pleasures that everybody else has. What an introduction. What a way to be introduced. And this is the Holy Spirit speaking through the writer of Genesis, Moses. As Moses has recorded the history, God speaks to him through the gift of the Holy Spirit and says, this is what I want you to write. I want people to know that Sarah, when she came on the scene, was looked at as being barren and having no child. So that's the introduction and then if you follow the story, and many of us have, we see that Abram walks through, God speaks to him, calls him, God blesses him, and God says, I want you to leave this area where you're at, and I want to go, you to go where I'm going to show you. And, and he takes his family, and he takes his, son, uh, his nephew Lot, and he takes them from that area, and they move to where, where God is telling them. And in this time, Sarah is barren and she has no child. And everybody else has children. And this is something that gets on them, that works on them. Because it, we see throughout this that there's the instance where Sarah finally says, you know what, Abram, I know you want children and I know it should be for me, but it's not going to happen. So, so take my handmaid here, take Hagar and, and, and have a child with him and I will just say he's my child and we can do that. And so Abram has him and, and you get the story of Ishmael, who was a son of Abraham. And, and God says, no, that's not how the promise is going to happen. That's not the promise. The promise is going to come through your wife, Sarai. So Abram and Sarah are having this whole discussion, this whole backstory to what we have happening. First impressions. 
The first impression that we make, the first impression that God has, or not that God, the first impression that we make in a space or the first impression people have of us. And the first impression we see of Sarai is that she is barren and she has no child. And I'm going to get to a prophetic declaration later on, but I want to lay the groundwork so that we can identify with what God is doing and we can identify with some of the aspects of the joy or what God does at the end. So we see this. And then if we move on a little bit into Genesis 15, I want to spend a few moments in some of these verses because what I want to do is I want to put the Word of God. The Word of God is alive. The word of God quickens. The word of God accomplishes more than our words will. And so when we read, let's read the word of God. Let's speak the word of God. Let's hear what God is speaking. And so if we go into Genesis 15, I want to take a couple minutes in there and I want to just build up. I want to add to the story of Abram and Sarai. In Genesis 15, Um, It continues, and and God establishes his covenant with Abram. It says that when, when the sun, it came about when the sun had set. This is verse 17 of chapter 15. It came about when the sun had set that it was very dark. There appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between the pieces. And this was God establishing the covenant the aspect of covenant when when they made covenant in the old testament traditionally what they would do is they would sacrifice and they would take an animal or a turtle dove or or so and they would cut it and they would split it and put it in two two pieces and there'd be a space between them and they would walk through that to establish the covenant now we think of covenant And this was was something that God was speaking to me last night because sometimes we think of covenant as an agreement between two parties. It's a contract. It's a negotiation. It's something that, well, I'll do this if you do that. But what happens here is God comes and says, listen, you listen to my words. You believe me. This is what I'm doing. God establishes, and when you read this, and when you read this passage, you find out that God establishes his covenant. He says, my covenant, not our covenant. So I want you to to catch that. This is not something that God says, let's sit down and let's make a deal. God says, no, this is what I want to do for you, Abram. This is what I want to do for you and for your family. This is what I will do for you. And God says, and he comes and he says, I will establish my covenant. And as he does that, he walks between the pieces, a smoking oven and a flaming torch. And if you read that, you find out a verse or two earlier that Abram was very tired and and was sleeping. And he says, and that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram. And he said, to your descendants, I'll give you this land from the great river of Egypt. And he explains all the territory that God was going to give him as land. And he, and he says that. And then you get to the next chapter right after that, chapter 16. And it starts out with Sarah, Abram's wife, had, had borne him no children. Has anybody ever reminded you of the inability you have to achieve what God wants you to do? Has anybody ever reinforced 
the fact that, you know what, this isn't a secret, I'm not able, I don't have the ability, I don't have it in me to do this. Has anybody ever come to you and reinforced that? And it's like, it's almost debilitating, it's almost like, oh, it just, it, it weighs you down. And here again, we saw it in chapter 11 when she's introduced that she was barren and had no children. And here we have it in verse 1 of chapter 16. She did not have any children for him. And this must have been something that was bearing on her and, and on him and, and just the reinforcement. And you're seeing life happening. You're seeing laughter happening. You're seeing all these things with other people are experiencing, but you yourself are not experiencing it. All these other people are having children. All these other families are growing. All these other situations are happening. And you have this dream. You have this passion. But you're not able to see it happen. And Sarah is reminded and Abram is reminded of this just because of life and what's going on. And we see that in chapter 16. Then if we go forward again, I want to continue with the thought of covenant. Because this was not something Abraham could perform himself. This is something that only God can do. And I want to stress that. The amazing thing about God and his covenant is sometimes he will wait to the last. When you're not able to do it and you can't make it happen and you can't perform it and you can't manipulate it and you can't buy it, you can't structure it, you can't perform it. And then God says, great, you're at the end of your rope. Let me do it. And so we're seeing this development in Abram. It takes about 13 years from when he had Ishmael to when we see the birth of Isaac. And even before Ishmael, there was the promise. In chapter 17, staying with the word covenant, God comes to Abram. And he was 99 years old and he appears to him in verse 1 and he says, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will establish, and listen to this, my covenant. This morning, I believe God is saying he wants to establish and perform his covenant with you. Not your agreement with God, not your deal with God, but what does God want to do? The covenant language of the Bible is powerful. And when we understand the covenant language, it, it just exploded for me last night. And we'll get to that in a moment. But here God is speaking to him and he says, I want to establish my covenant and I'll multiply you. And, you're gonna, and Abram fought, fell on his face and God talked with him and he says, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you. And he continues this and there's three or four times where he says, my covenant, my covenant, I will make you. The power or the influence of God in our life, when God works something, it is what God does. It's not what we perform. Now, there is an aspect of walking in the covenant and following God, but that actually is very minimal compared to what God does. In this passage, God says, this is what I'm going to do, and what I want you to do is I want you to believe. I want you to believe, and I want you to be intimate with me. Because the way the covenant was, was birthed and the way the covenant was realized was through intimacy that Abraham had. It was through intimacy that Abraham saw the promise revealed. 
And so God is speaking to him, and God is saying, it's my covenant that I'm going to have with you. My covenant. When you look at the word covenant, the Greek wrote, the, the Greek people um, took the Old Testament, and they wrote it in Greek. It was, the original language was Hebrew. But they wrote it in Greek, and they called it the Septuagint. And the word that they used in the Greek when they came to the word covenant they used one word, and it's also the same word they used in the New Testament. And what that word meant, I want to read this to you, because this is powerful with respect to the covenant that God has for you and the way God looks at you and the promises that he's given you, the dreams that you've had that God has breathed in and birthed in you and created in you the dreams. I believe in the dreams that God gives. And and. It says here, I just want to read this, a, a diathake, and I could be pronouncing that incorrectly, but that's the Greek word for the word covenant, is a will. So we've always, we've heard of the will in the Testament, but I'd like to read this to you. It's a will that distributes one's property after death according to the owner's wishes and it's unilateral. In other words, it's not a bilateral agreement. It's uni it comes from one to the others. And it distributes the property of the owner after their death. So God says, this is my covenant. And then you transfer that and you see that how, what does that look like through Jesus? Jesus came and he lived and then he died. The covenant that he has for you and I. This is the power of what God has for you and I today. Is that Jesus came and he died and upon his death, he passed on what he had to those that were still alive. Think about this. The covenant that we read about, the words that we read about, the promises that we see in the word of God, the, the inheritance that we talk about, it says that according to the, the will, it's when the person who dies passes on what they had, their property, to those that are living or those that remain. Jesus passed on his relationship, the anointing, those things that God had for him, the promises, the ability to overcome, the healing, the, sick, the sicknesses that would leave, the, the power over the enemy. God passed that on to you and I when he died. He passed it on and it remains. And I'd like to stretch your thinking a little bit here. I want to stretch your thinking. He passed it on to you and I. He did not pass it on to the Holy Spirit. In other words, the promises that God speaks about through Jesus, and Jesus came and he fulfilled those promises and those things in the Old Testament, and then when he died, what he did was he took that fulfillment and he laid it and he brought it to the cross. But then what we do is we walk in that fulfillment. We walk in the victory. We walk in the promises. We walk in the goodness. And it's you and I. It's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us 
to enjoy that. The Holy Spirit empowers us to overcome and to live that. But it's not the Holy Spirit that do it. It's you and I that live in those promises. So when he said, you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, when he died, that promise, that covenant went from what Jesus was experiencing to what you and I would now live and experience. When he said, you're going to walk and, and none of these things, you're going to drink deadly poison, it's not going to harm you. That is for every believer, every follower of Christ to now walk in that authority, walk in that promise, because when he died, he passed on everything he owned and all his property to us. And the Holy Spirit comes and he gives us the ability because we're not able in ourselves, but he empowers us, the Holy Spirit. His Spirit comes in us and on us and around us and it empowers us to walk in the victory that Jesus said is yours and mine. So that's the power of the word covenant here that God is saying, I'm going to establish my covenant. And he comes to, to Abram. And then if you continue from 17 and you, at verse 17 in chapter 17, it says, Abraham fell on his face and laughed. I just think that's amazing. He laughed at the magnitude of what God could do. He's at this point, he's 99. He, I figured this out, and I, there's nothing I can do. I can't make it happen. I can't manufacture it. I've tried I had an Ishmael. I, it, it, isn't, it didn't satisfy, and it's not what you have for me. God. And God says, no, I got something for you. And the, the power of it, the magnitude of it, makes him laugh. And he says, will a child be born to a man 100 years old, and will Sarah, who's 90, have a child? That's in chapter 17 of Genesis. Now I want you to, to move on to the next chapter. Chapter 18, God comes to him. He's speaking to him. And he says, listen, you're going to have a child and your wife, your wife is going to have a child. And in verse um, 12, Sarah laughs to herself. Genesis 18, verse 12. Sarah laughs to herself and says, how I've become old and how should I have pleasure? How should I please my Lord like this? And it's funny because God heard her laugh, and he says, you laughed, your wife laughed. And she says, no, I didn't. She was afraid. And, and it's just a kind of a neat conversation. Sometimes I think we need to insert ourselves into these stories. And he says, no, you laughed. You laughed. Sometimes the promises of God are so outrageous, so ridiculous, so outlandish, that all we can do is just laugh. It's like, <laughs> I don't have the ability. I don't have the contacts. I don't have the network. I don't have the finances. I don't have this. But God says, I will establish my covenant. Take the focus off of what you can do and put the focus on what he said. And he said it, so I'm going to believe what he said is how I'm going to live. And Sarah laughs at him. Now, what, I, what I'd like to do is now I want to go back to Genesis 21. And I want to read this passage again with some of these thoughts about covenant. 
some of these thoughts about the impossibility to make something happen and yet the possibility that God says. In fact, in, in uh, Genesis um, 18, uh, God says, is anything too hard for me? I'd like to read that for you. It says in Genesis 18, verse 14, is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah, you'll have a child. Is anything too hard for me? Quit looking at what God says and filtering it through your ability. Instead, look at what God says and filter it through his ability. Instead of looking at it and saying it's impossible, look at it and says the I am says it's possible. Change from impossible to say I am possible. Through the great I am. And so now we get back to Genesis 21. Then the Lord took note of Sarah. The Lord remembered her. He took note of her. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abram in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son Isaac. God remembered, God promised, and God performed what he said he would. The prophetic word that I want to speak over you today is the word that God has said to you will come to pass. The word that God has spoken to you, the dream that you have that you know is from God, it's not a manufactured dream, it's a dream that God gave you. It's wild, it's outlandish, it's amazing, it's huge. I'm here to tell you, when God says it, it will happen, and he will remember, and he will take note of you, and it will happen. It will happen. And God comes to Abraham and Sarah, and they have a son. Abram meant exalted father. God changed his name to father of multitudes or chief of multitudes. Sarah, her name originally meant princess. God changed it to noble woman, one who contends, one who exerts, and one who goes after. That's what her name means. Abram, Abraham is the father of faith. And what do they have together? The contending, the pursuing after the promise, the believing. They have a son whose name is Isaac, which means he laughs. And what I want to put in your spirit today is that the promise that God has for you, that he's put inside of you, is a promise so amazing, so large, and so great that it will cause you to laugh, but that birthing will happen because of what God has said, and he remembers, and he promises, and he speaks, and that word will come to pass, and it will be a constant reminder of what God has said. And every time they called his name Isaac, they were saying, he laughs, and they remembered 
what God had spoken to them and the impossibility of what was happening, the possibility of what happened. They saw the impossibility and they realized the possibility. He laughs. So this morning I want to encourage you. God has a a word for you. He's given you a dream. It is not impossible. It will happen. He will remember. And you will see those things, those dreams that God has given you in the night, those visions that he's given you, those plans that he's drawn up. You've got plans. You've seen this, that, and you've been able to look at it like a chessboard, and you've been seeing it. God will speak to you, and those things will come to pass. We are a prophetic people, not a pathetic, a prophetic you are prophetic. You, we are a people, when we speak of Jesus, it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we speak of Jesus and his good, goodness, what we're doing is we're speaking prophetically of what he accomplished, but then he passed it on through covenantal language and covenantal um, agreement and covenantal binding he passed it on from him to you and I so when we speak of what God has done through Jesus we actually are speaking to the future of what God will do with us through us for us and for others so I want to share that with you I want to build your faith that God has some amazing things for you and his covenant will not die. His covenant will not falter. His covenant will not uh, fail. But every word will come to pass in your life. Amen? I can hear you all saying amen. I can see some of you shouting. I can see some of you jumping up and down. That's okay. Do it in front of your TV. Do it in front of your monitor. But be encouraged because these days are the most exciting days that we will live. And they're going to only get better and better and better. Amen. I I just want to say one last thing in closing. As we close, I just want to say one last thing. I want to bless you. I want you to walk away with the blessing of God. Because as I exercise these words, and as I speak these words over you, God hears them. God stands in agreement with the words I speak over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. And as I invoke his name on you, he will hear it and he will bless you. God bless you. Thanks for joining. Have an amazing week. And we'll see you next Sunday.